Two Fit Crazies and a Microphone podcast is brought to you by Conti Fitness. Get the best in personal and online training and coaching, where you will find monthly online unlimited yoga packages, run training, play yoga, motivational speaking, and more. If that's not all, find out how to get the newest facial exercise program and manual. Let's face it together. Go to ContiFitness.net to find out more. High Five Health and Fitness. Create positive change in your life with online health coaching sessions with High Five Health and Fitness. Also brought to you by Revolution Running. Join world-renowned Dr. Jason Karp for a workshop or certification near you. Author of Run Your Fat Off, Inner Runner, and so many more books. That's R-E-V-O-2-L-U-T-I-O-N, running.com. Also brought to you by 361 Degrees. For the best in athletic footwear and apparel, go one degree beyond with 361 Degrees. For codes and promos, go to twofitcrazies.com and click on the podcast sponsor tab at the top of the page. It is Christine Conti. And I'm Brian Prendergast. And we are Two Fit Crazies. And the microphone. We are where it's at. Brian, how are you today? Never better. Better and better each day. Better and better and better. I can't wait till tomorrow. I get happier and better looking every day. Younger by the day. <laughs> That's what we're saying. <laughs> you better ask somebody. Who keeps putting those extra candles on my birthday cake every year is what I'm always asking. I'm like, it's time to start taking those candles away. I can't, I don't have that long capacity anymore. It's Seriously, I'm going to have to start working on that at this point. I hung out with my brother this weekend who is like silver gray hair. There isn't like there's no more dark hair in his head anymore. It's it's white. And it's I'm very going, regal. I'm going gray. No, I mean he, he wears it well. Yeah, it's he's very it's, it's, it looks good. Uh his my his sons call him old silver. <laughs> he's got twin twin boys, they're 12. They're old silver. As long as his wife calls him like the silver fox or something. I yeah, no, fine. she's happy with him right okay, now. See? Yeah, she's happy with him. There you go. So we're coming off of podcast episode 33, and I just want to let everyone know that I'm less traumatized now than I was then, and it's upward and onward, and I'm pumped, and and uh, it is, it's time to do some pacing for the New Jersey Marathon. Brian, yeah. what are you doing? So 33 was the recap of your Boston experience. It was. And what an experience it was. It was very much uh, mind, mind-blowing and <laughs> mind-changing experience The stories that are coming out of it. I mean, just we, we, put, we recorded that just a couple of days after uh, the, the event. And, you know, just from the more stories and more stories that are coming from it. It's just, it was wild. It was crazy. I'm almost jealous. I, I'm jealous of you. Uh, right. Yeah, yeah. It was great. It was like the Titanic <laughs> we talked about with the icebergs and there were lots of ice yeah. um, all over the place. So yeah, it was an experience and I maybe would have traded that experience for some other things, but you know what? It is a lesson and it's a lesson that I'm going to take with me going forward because with, uh, with life being a series of ups and downs and that was just a little dip, a little bump in the road, something, uh, Use maybe as some motivation, some fire, and also some um, great, great educational experience. Learning, we are learning. Yeah, and uh, you know what? There's no doubt in my mind that I'm going to take some of those those things. You know, definitely the mental, um, the mental aspect of that race of really having to not finish a race and know what that's like, and and know that you know what I I am going to be doing I'm going to be pacing on Sunday for uh the New Jersey Marathon which is it's obviously slower 
pace than I normally run, but getting other people to qualify for Boston is going to be That's pretty powerful yeah. again this year. And also I'm less than three months out for my Ironman and that is going to be, it's just so amazing. And there's some great opportunities I hope to share with you guys in the future um, about, you know, what's going forward with that. But Cool stuff. It's cool. It's a good. It's just a good time. I mean, we're we're, uh, we're you know I see like just a lot of people's training and everything is coming together. You know, for us, it's this big local race that that happens uh, uh, at the end of of April every year. And, and it's big. It's a big. It's a big, big race. local race. It's a big yeah. local race. They do a great job. Yeah, yeah New Jersey Marathon. Shout out. Uh, and and New Jersey Half Marathon. I'll be running the half that day. Uh, you know, so I'm feeling it. What do you got? Like 50 minutes? You'll be done. <laughs> no. <laughs> No. Come on. No, 70. All right. Oh, no, 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 I'm sorry. Not 70. Jeez. What am I say? 80. 80 minutes. I want to go under one. You heard it, everyone. 70 minutes. No, 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 no. You're just going to have a good race. You're going to feel good. Goddamn years old. 43 years Having old. Having a good race. That's where we're at. So, that's it. Yeah, that's it. Have a good race. Feel good. And, you know, and be healthy. That's it. Period. The end. And I'm excited for everybody else, too, because there's mm-hmm. a lot of people that have put, uh, you know, Put a lot of eggs in this basket, uh, you know, whether they're trying to qualify for, for Boston or, you know, everything else. It's just it's, it just happens. I get I get excited just as much for the other people doing the, the great things that than I do, you know, that I do for myself almost more so. I just like the, when people are happy and successful. We like, you know why? Because when people around you are doing great, everyone's doing great. Yeah. You surround yourself with the company you know, or you are the company that you keep yeah. and Again, I always use the thing that you were saying. You're like, if you're looking around a room and you can't figure out who that that cancerous person is, it's probably you. The black cloud. Yeah. So, it, you if know. If you don't know who the black cloud is, chances are it's you. Oh, man. So, I know who's not the black cloud. Yeah? Dr. Abby Bales. Holy moly. You, episode 34 <laughs> is amazing. And... um Women out there, even if, you know, if your husbands or, you know, men have any idea about some of these, I guess some of these, um, just different issues that you could have, um, as an athlete and she's a, go ahead. All right. So Abby is a, um, is a physical therapist, um, but she is a, um, a pelvic floor certified physical therapist. So she deals with a lot of, um, pregnant women postpartum women and you know her, her name of her company is reform physical therapy she's out of new york city uh you know she just specializes in pregnant and postpartum female athletes of all levels so we're not just talking you know the elites she does work with you know many high-end runners uh and and athletes that are looking to get back into the gym and you know and, and get back to their normal routines after having babies it's so important you know what happens when women have these babies? I'm sitting here telling you about it, but you know when women have a baby, like there's there's it's trauma, uh, and there's a lot that happens, and it, it takes the body some time to recover. And I think that what we get into a lot is you know the standard line of recovery that is you know the canned answer for most women is not always acceptable. Uh, you know it's 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 okay, and you know it's best to go that extra level and to speak to somebody like Abby, who's fantastic. I mean, wait till you hear this. She's amazing. Um, and you're going to learn so much about your body, um, you know, about working out through pregnancy, about, you know, um, post-delivery, when you should go back to exercise, how you should feel. Should you get, um, you know, should you go to your doctor? What should you be feeling? What should they look for? So I think this is going to be really eye-opening. I know it was for me, and I think it's going to be for all of you. Yeah. 
Yeah, there's. I mean, there's definitely some things that cover that obviously I just don't know about. I went home and I hugged my wife because um, she's amazing. Uh, you know, I thanked her for everything that she's done for for me and my three lovely, uh, handsome boys. And uh, you know, it's, it's she's she's a run coach. She's a strength and conditioning specialist. She's run nine marathons. She's got two kids of her own. I mean, this is like she knows her stuff. She's like the you know the authority on this. And uh, she's got brains on top of brains, which I love. And, uh, you know, she's she's a friend of mine, too. So, you know, it's just amazing. I hope you guys uh, really enjoy it. Uh, You know, it's definitely something that if it's, um, you know, it's not just for the women. This is information that people should know. Uh, especially trainers who who are training, uh, you know, women in, in, in what they're doing. So we hope you enjoy episode 34 with Dr. Abby Bales from Reform Physical Therapy in New York City. Peace. Christine Conti. And it's Brian Prendergast. And we are two fit crazies. And a microphone. We are where it's at. Brian, how are we doing today? Fantastic. He's giving jazz hands. Oh my gosh. We really jazz hands. We need to do this more uh, more live. And we, we will. We got, yeah, the no, the video's coming. We it got is, it uh, it's pretty funny. The pretty, IT department's working on that. Pretty crazy. That would be you, the IT department. You're the head of the IT department, by the way. That's right. The president. You're head of promotions. It, right. Doing a hell of a job, we're by trying. the way. We're trying. We're, we're getting there. It uh, One day at a time and, you know, just Aren't we all? keep on keeping on. And in the words of Des Linden, our Boston 2018 <laughs> marathon winner, we just keep showing keep up. Keep showing up. Keep showing up and someone takes notes. My God, raise your hand if you cried Holy that day. Holy moly. For different uh, reasons. I actually <laughs> did cry that day as well. Uh, you know, we talked about that a little bit. So hopefully you enjoyed um, Podcast 33. Was I called it the Boston Massacre, pretty much, is what I refer to that race. But um, aside from that, life goes on. And we have such an amazing guest that I cannot wait for all of you to hear. Just there, there's going to be so many questions that may be answered in, you know, in different aspects about your body, about what you should do. And, you know, yes, we're going to focus on the ladies out there a little bit, but this is really for everyone. And I'm really excited to hear about this as a, I'm going to be selfish here as an athlete, as a mom, as someone who gives out a lot of fitness information to people and gives advice that sometimes you really need to hear it from an expert. An, an expert. expert is who we have That's today, right. Brian. And I please, got this one. I lined this one up. I, I may be the man in the house here, but I've got my friend <laughs> Dr. Abby Bales on the line. Abby, how are you? I'm so good. I'm so thrilled to be here. Thanks for having me on. Oh, it's our pleasure. Thanks for coming. This is great. Abby's a friend of mine, but let me give you a little rundown on what uh, Abby, who Abby is, and what she does. Uh, she's a uh, she's a state board, uh, New York State Board certified physical therapist, and the owner of Reform Physical Therapy in New York City. 
Um, Reform Physical Therapy uh, specializes in treating and training pregnant and postpartum female athletes of all levels. So, you know, we really see what happens, changes in the body, um, you know, what what takes place with women as they, you know, become pregnant. I know I you know, went through it three times with my wife very closely. Uh, and, uh, you know, it's just really uh, what I found is that there's some misinformation out there, you know, as to really uh, how to handle it and what to do. And, and uh, you know, that's why we bring in the expert. Uh, uh, Abby is, uh, you know, not just a, a physical therapist herself, um, but she's a certified strength and conditioning specialist. She's a run coach, and she's a nine-time marathoner. Yeah. Yeah. My girl that stupid can run. ten is still out there. Well, it's coming, right? Yeah, well, soon enough. Hey, in time. In time, in time. So tell us, what's going on? What's going on in your world today? Uh, today I am seeing uh, one of my athletes who's actually racing this weekend, which is really exciting. Um, I am always taking care of my kids at some point during the day. And so our typical morning, we just you know did breakfast, got the kid off to school, and... Um, meeting up with friends to brainstorm about future projects, which is amazing. I love having the fitness community meet the physical therapy community. And now I'm so excited to be recording this podcast with you guys because BP, I've known you for a while and you're, you know, excellent, uh, excellent teammate and cheer fan. And I'm excited because, uh, I finally get to chat with Christine. I've been following all year long and, um, I'm sorry about Boston. That was kind of a bummer of a day, but I'm excited to chat with you today. You know what? Life happens. I got life done Monday is what it is. <laughs> That's all. That's all. First time. And I think, you know, I'd spoken about this that, and Brian, and I really believe this now that life happens for you and there's reasons why things happen. And I needed to not finish a race and, f- and feel what that was like. I needed that as kind of fuel to your fire. And I think that that really motivates you and changes your perspective, especially because life is a marathon. It's not a sprint. And there's a million races out there and there's a million things going on. And, and I think that staying healthy and especially, um, I don't know if you all heard that, you know, the one reason that I wasn't back out on there or that race course was that the doctor looked at me and said, and we'll talk about this today. Um, I said, do you have kids? And, and when I said, yes, and she's like, how many? Two. And that's when she kind of gave me the, yeah, no. I don't, this today's isn't, not the today's day. Today's not the day. And, uh, I think that that's important. And I think that's something maybe we'll touch upon today of how important that is and how important it is to take care of your body because, you know, it's great chasing the unicorns, chasing the medals, chasing the glory. What's your kid going to remember? Are they going to remember, you know, that no. you got a medal or are they going to remember, you know, mom is healthy and, and is there for me. And, um, I think that, you know, sometimes people forget that. And sometimes you chase things that maybe aren't as important as they, you know, they are to other people. I I don't know. In the grand scheme of things. I hear you. And sometimes that leads athletes to rush back into things soon after their pregnancy or during their pregnancy and chase some things that don't quite make sense long term. Right, Abby Bales? Yeah, and I think you know, Christine, having having a day when you don't finish a race, um, it's it's very similar to um, my patients being able to relate to me and me being able to relate to them as a mom of two myself. So I have two little kids who are ten and four, ten months and four years old, and so when my patients are telling me, you know, I want to get back to running marathons, I say. I hear you. Let's do it. Let's figure it out. And I know what it is to start from zero again and to, you know, have to work my way back from running 
you know, 13 minute miles back to running eight minute miles or seven and a half minute miles and feeling really good. And, um, I think it's, I think it makes you more relatable to your patients and your clients in that, in that regard. And I don't think that that's ever a bad thing to be able to say, I know where you've been and I know how to get back to where you want to go. And so we try to focus on that in my practice. And I think my patients really appreciate me having the personal perspective, but also the professional uh, information and and training to get them back there really safely. And sometimes that means holding them back a little bit in the beginning and then, and, you know, really tapping into what they need to be successful for the long haul. Before you start talking about some of the things that you tell people and what is safe from your perspective and, you know, from your expertise... How is it that you got into this field, this particular field? Because you are very specified. This is not something it's very Nietzsche here. Yeah, this yeah. is. I mean, it's fascinating to me. Um, you know, I wish that I would have had your ear or would have, would have had your uh, information when I was, you know, coming back and pregnant and training and coming back from uh, two pregnancies. But how is it that you found this? Well, I really found this. It's a combination of things. So I've been a runner for. 27 years. And like Brian said, I've run nine marathons and I have always been very active and fit and always kind of known in the back of my head that I wanted to do something that had to do with running or sports or athletics. And then as I got into physical therapy, I became obsessed with the pelvis and the hips because there's so much there's so much that is happening there in terms of being your motor of your body. Um, it's just, it's the center of where things are rotating and all that kind of stuff. And so I became really interested in that. And in school, you get maybe a day or two of pelvic floor, but the pelvic floor, when you look at the musculature, it makes up 50% of the, the, what's keeping your pelvis moving. And so when I was originally working in an orthopedic setting, and I was only focusing on the muscles that I could touch externally, it wasn't cutting the mustard, especially with my female clients, especially with my postpartum moms, my pregnant moms. And I was really lucky to have a mentor at the orthopedic clinic where I was working. And she was so generous with sharing information about her, her public floor therapy that she had started and what it's like and what does this and what does that. And it really gave me an idea of how to better serve my my patients, my male, my female patients, I have, I have such a deeper understanding of what's happening in the pelvis. But then as I, I got even further into that, the pregnancy and postpartum period, my friends were running and they were getting pregnant and then they didn't know, they didn't, their, their doctors didn't know, the OBs don't know, the gynecologists don't know, their coaches didn't know, their friends didn't know, and no one had any information about how to get back after pregnancy. When is it safe? What exercises can I do? What shouldn't I be doing? You know, and, and not even like could, should, you know, can't, don't do this, but how do I get back safely? And they were all interested in getting back to what they were doing before or more or better. And there was no one they could turn to. There was no literature they could turn to in terms of breastfeeding and what's happening with your hormones and whether or not that puts you at a higher risk for, um, stress fractures postpartum. What is your, what is your history of menses and stuff like that? How does that all interplay into it? Even one of the studies that I read said that the biggest barrier to female athletes postpartum is they don't know whether or not they should be nursing while they're ramping back up. And they said the lack of information was the biggest barrier in, in their ability to return to sport. And this was, they looked at 1200 athletes around the world and these female postpartum athletes were all saying the same thing as my friends were. There's no information. Who do I go to? And so 
not only did I see this niche market, I was really interested in it and in the endocrinology interplay, you know, what's going on with the hormones and the diet and the history. And I'm very interested in, in youth health and in, in young females getting active because I was 12 years old and in the weight room because my dad brought me in, not because I was ever really allowed, you know, he just, he just brought me in and taught me how to do things because I was interested. And there are not those opportunities even now for girls in high school to go in the weight rooms because somehow they're going to distract the boys who have to get in there for football, you know? So I, I have that mindset on too, is these, as preventing these, um, they call it reds syndrome now, which is reduced energy deficit syndrome as opposed to female athlete triad. But I, I have an interest in protecting young female athletes and then seeing them through these, these years. And when you look at it, you know, the women who are breaking records and winning marathons does, does London's 33, you know, Shalene Flanagan, I think is 34 and Dina Castor was in her thirties. So in keeping these women healthy throughout the duration of their life, there's, there are so many aspects to look at it. And I, I wanted to make myself that one-stop shop who understood everything that was going on. So I surround myself with smart people, with amazing gynecologists and OBs and reproductive endocrinologists and, you know, people who do strength and conditioning and running. And I, I, I talk to them a lot and, and try to put it all together in, in one place for, to answer those questions for female athletes. Yeah. In a nutshell. I'm sorry. Really <laughs> no, no, that's, it was so perfect. Now, I mean, it's, it's everything. I, what are, what, I guess before we even start, and obviously I'm, you know, I'm definitely batting from the bench on this one, uh, for a lot of things, but what are the, what is the common, um, you know, routine for coming back? What is, what is suggested now? What are the OBGYNs doing? What are they, you know, what is it really, what's the, you know, the standard for returning to exercise post-pregnancy? I was going to say even before that, even before, even before that, when they, when, I mean, you said that you work with, with, um, athletes and people when they're pregnant, right? So is there seriously the things that I've heard with even being pregnant and then, you know, post-pregnancy as well, is there, what, what do you hear? I mean, even to start, maybe if you could start with like so when you're the, pregnant What's the first, stock answer, what, the industry the, standard yeah, for that? Because literally the, the things I've heard are crazy. Like, Christine, don't get your heart rate up over 120. I'm like, 120? I'm like, I could be walking and do 120, you know, or things, you know, or don't ever, don't ever jump. And I'm like, well, what do you mean? I'm three weeks pregnant. I'm not going to leave the floor. Like, well, I don't think the thing is going to bounce out. Like, I, you know. Yeah. Um, so the industry standard has altered a tiny, tiny bit, I would say, in the last two or three years. So the American College of Obstetrics and Gynecology is very vague in that they just reaffirmed, I think, that it's they consider it safe for women who are having an unremarkable pregnancy to continue their regular athletic routine, the regular exercise routine throughout the duration of the pregnancy, making modifications for time and intensity. And Christine, you know this in pregnancy, you know, the first trimester, you're making so many different blood products so that you're very fatigued during the first trimester. And so that tends to take women down and out just by virtue of you not feeling well. And some women, because of this experience, um, you know, nausea and, and morning sickness. And so then they're not eating very much. They don't feel very well. So they're not, they're not performing. I mean, unless you're Serena Williams, in which case we all bow down to the, you know, the greatest of all time. So outside of that during pregnancy, they recommend you don't do, um, any contact sports like boxing, 
Um, and they don't recommend you do things where you could fall down, lose your balance and fall down because your center of mass changes when you're pregnant and your belly protrudes forward and your back arches. There is a legitimate, you know, different center of, of mass and balance as you get further along in your pregnancy. Um, then when you start to look into what are the duration and intensity of exercises, there was a recent study that came out that said it was safe for women to participate in high intensity interval training up to 30 minutes. But the thing is, is that none of these studies are going to really go beyond 30 or 35 minutes because then they don't know. And really what they're looking at is the occlusion of blood flow to the baby as it's going to your muscles for contraction use in your your own heart to keep you conscious during this. They're not going to do massive studies where they push you to the edge because they're not going to put you and the baby at risk. So there, these studies are never going to really give a great picture of what a well-trained athlete can do. They're just not going to do that. So that's what the kind of canned answer is for pregnancy. For postpartum, it's a little bit more scientific. So I know that when they say, well, six weeks is an arbitrary amount of time, it's actually not an arbitrary amount of time. What the six-week, six to eight-week marker means postoperatively is that is about as long as it takes for tissue to heal. And so they're looking to make sure that you're not bleeding anymore, that you are... Um, that you, the tissue internally has healed completely before you take on exercise that's going to increase your blood pressure and cause you to bleed more or, again, restrict the blood flow to the tissue that needs it to heal. So that six-week mark actually comes from science, well-known science, that six to eight weeks is what it takes for a tissue to heal in, inside the body. Um, but beyond that, typically what I hear and what the industry standard is, six to eight weeks, and then gradually return to your routine. End of story. Is that? I mean, I mean, that seems pretty, uh, you know, just vague. I guess is 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 what I'm thinking. You know, six to eight weeks, and then gradually return. So you know, gradual is like mod- moderation, is what I hear. You know, in the nutrition end, what what is gradually? Uh, it's going to be a little bit different for everybody. And I guess, what do you suggest uh, that the this you know the standard maybe looks to more so than that like how do you know uh when they're ready within that six to eight weeks other than you know than than being looked at and and being like examined. an examination yeah. there's no way to know unless there's an examination and often what what the issue is is that and i i know some really talented incredible really communicative obstetrics gynecologists um you know obgyns who work i work closely with um, and then I have patients whose OBs didn't tell them that they had a prolapse, um, that they that they didn't they just don't tell them because they think it's just going to go away, and it's not causing them any symptoms. They ask them, "Are you having any symptoms? Are you you know are you do you have any involuntary loss of urine or feces or do you feel any downward pressure?" And if they don't say anything, they just say in their heads, "They're like, well, whatever, this will go away." But that's at that six-week visit. And a lot can happen between six weeks and return to exercise. In fact, I have several patients who, sh- who got the okay to start, did everything right, started with strength training, didn't do too much, didn't go back to jumping until they had, you know, about three, four weeks of really good, st- solid strength training. They were working with somebody. They weren't pushing it. They did a lot of really great core work. And then at nine months, they come to me because they feel this downward pressure and they have prolapse. And then I then I have to take them back and I have to start over. So without me doing an examination, without the without the 
OBGYN who's seeing them at their six-week visit saying, okay, you have this, you need to go see a physical therapist, or the OBGYN saying, I can't clear you for exercise, only a PT can. And the reason being is because only they can tell you, because OBGYNs aren't trained in this, only they can tell you whether or not you're Kegeling properly at every layer of your musculature and your pelvic floor. I can tell you right now that you have prolapse and they can help you fix that. But only they can clear you for that. Only they can work with you for your to, to work on closing your diastasis, which most women get it just by virtue of stretching in pregnancy. And only they are really cleared to give you a progressive exercise program. And even in that sense, not every physical therapist, even every pelvic floor physical therapist knows how to do progressive exercises, I would say that's where their biggest downfall is. They can, they can diagnose, they can deal with prolapse, they can deal with everything internally. And then they don't know how to tell you to get back to running versus like me, I come back to it and, and I think about it in a completely different way. I think about it. How do we, how is everything that we're doing going to translate into a single leg jumping exercise for you? Because that's what you want to do. Or how is this going to transfer into a heavy load because you want to go back to CrossFit? What exercises am I giving you now that are going to lead to you being able to do this vertically or in whatever way that you want to get back to doing it? Not even every pelvic floor PT has that ability or education or mindset. So just like with doctors, not everybody is created equal. And so you really have to do your homework and advocate for yourself because chances are your OBGYN is not going to give you a PT script at six weeks. You're going to have to ask for one. And even then they might sometimes say, well, you know, you don't need it. And you can always ask for one. You are, you have the right to have that, that if they say no, you go and you find somebody else, your GP can give it to you. Your midwife can give it to you. Um, they, you don't have to get it from that person, but then to seek out a really great public floor physical therapist. If you don't jive with them, it's, it's a lot like finding, um, finding like a really great yoga instructor or class that you really love. You really need to like have a connection with that person and they're speaking your language and you feel confident that they're going to be able to get you back to whatever form and function that you want to be at. You wouldn't necessarily go to a public floor physical therapist who doesn't have any experience in, in strength training or sports. If you wanted to go back to doing Ironman triathletes, triathlons, it just doesn't make sense. So you really want to seek out those people and be looking for the resume that has whatever you're looking for. Um, a lot of physical therapists have, you know, I have my strength and conditioning specialist certification and my public floor certifications, and I have all this experience running and conditioning. And there are other ones who do very specifically like CrossFit training and they're CrossFit level one, level two certified. Maybe they work out of a CrossFit facility or you have someone who is um, very specifically just working with older patients and you just you want to you want to choose the practice that works for you. But you definitely have to advocate for yourself at that six week visit and ask for that prescription to get that internal exam because the OBGYNs, it's not their job anymore. They've they've delivered your baby. You are healthy and that's the end of that road there. So you need to advocate for yourself to start on that other road. So what is the problem? I guess I want you to, to explain this to our listeners. What does it mean? What is the big issue that you see when someone goes back too early? What is that thing that, I mean, exactly what you are rehabbing, I guess. That's number mm-hmm. one. And the second thing is, are you talking about six to eight weeks with a regular no issues vaginal birth or a C-section? Because that is another kind of issue in and of itself that you hear different, different advice for different types of births. 
Mm-hmm. So tissue, surgical tissue or, or tissue that's damaged is six to eight weeks period. C-sections are a little bit different because because of where the incision is, because it's a suprapubic incision, which is a very, very low down just above the pubic bone. Um, and so it cuts across the rectus abdominis, pass through the transverse abdominis and into the uterus. It's a very deep cut. And so you're talking about you need the uterus to heal, which is six to eight weeks. You need the musculature and the tissue to heal and for the, the scar to really close. The scar will close before the tissue is healed internally. And before you can really put pressure on those abdominals to somehow work for you, you need to be able to coordinate your breath to get your pelvic floor going. Because those abdominals, sometimes when you cut into the abdominal musculature or anywhere in the body, but specifically the abdomen, there can be numbness that lasts forever, that lasts a year, that lasts a couple of weeks, a couple of months. So it's sometimes really hard to reconnect with your core after you've had abdominal surgery. So it's really important to connect your breath to it because if you can connect your diaphragm that works with your lungs to the diaphragm that works at your pelvic floor, you kind of get contraction by proxy. So you can use your breath to do it even if you can't feel it. And so if you think about the pelvic floor uh, and, and its surrounding ligaments as a basket, the bottom of the basket is woven and that's what the pelvic floor is holding up what's inside the basket, which are the organs. And it's the uterus, the bladder, the rectum, and then the everything else above that in in the um, intestines and things like that. And then the handlebar of the basket that's still supporting you is up through your abdomen and up to your diaphragm. So sometimes you can get a little bit of pull from that diaphragm from the ligaments and tendons that are helping the pelvis realign from above in the abdominal cavity so that it's easier for pelvic floor to contract and hold the organs inside. When we see the biggest problems that we see are in prolapse when I see women go back too soon. And what prolapse is, is pelvic organ prolapse is a general term that includes cystocele, rectocele, and uterine prolapse. A cystocele is when the bladder is encroaching on the um, the wall of the vaginal opening. A rectocele is when the rectum is doing that or the rectum can actually prolapse out, outside of the anus. And then when we see a uterine prolapse, it's when the uterus is descending and coming out of the vagina. And so all of those things are a lack of support internally. And so right away with a C-section mom or with a postpartum pregnant vaginal delivery mom, the very first thing we're going to do is examine, make sure you're not having any symptoms of prolapse. And then the next thing that I'm going to do is, is make sure we're starting to coordinate your breath. And that kind of exercise can be done fairly early on. Um, but it has to be very specific, very well-trained so that you don't overdo it. The other problem that I see very, very often is that the act of doing a vaginal delivery and just some women in general don't know how to Kegel. They think they're Kegeling, but they're actually bulging, which is the opposite thing. Bulging is when you're pushing baby out of your vagina. Kegeling is when you're pulling everything back up and in. And so a lot of women are doing Kegels and they're actually bulging out even if they're not pregnant. And a lot of women have a really hard time coordinating that postpartum because as we spoke of before, the nerves get damaged throughout the birthing process. The, the impulse 
in pregnancy and excuse me in delivery is to push out the body knows to push out and so those those nerves are telling those muscles bulge bulge push push and then afterwards it's really hard to coordinate that into the opposite direction plus those muscles are sometimes torn. Um, they're definitely, they're definitely tired and sometimes they're overly stretched from being pregnant. And then from delivering, they go in this extreme stretch position and it's really hard to, to get them to train back. I mean, you think about someone who's been in a brace for a really long time or whose knee has been at one position and a growing, growing, growing to, to, you know, a more extreme trying to get them to go in the opposite direction. The body needs time to do that. And that's exactly what your pelvic floor needs time to do postpartum, both, both pregnant, uh, both vaginal delivery and C-section. And especially if C-section mom was pushing before there can be a combination of problems. But with C-section mom, what we're really looking at is whether or not mom can get uh, a deep abdominal contraction of the transverse abdominus, not necessarily rectus, but to coordinate that. And with mom who delivered vaginally, I'm really looking to see whether or not she has that neuromuscular control to kegel upward. But they both need to kegel upward because it all coordinates together. The abdomen, the pelvis, the diaphragm, they all work together. That That is your core from your diaphragm to your pelvic floor to the front of your abdominal cavity, to your multifidi in the back. That is your core, the center of your body. And so they all need to work together, especially for our postpartum moms, to support that pelvic floor so that you don't end up with prolapse. So, so the, the muscles coordinating with each other really comes from, from breathing technique and exercise. Uh, is that what yep. I'm... Okay. And yeah, so, you, know, you know on the exertion when you're telling somebody to blow out? Yep. When, if you think about your diaphragm, when it fills with air, it has to fall down so that lungs can bring in air. So it, it drops down in your body. In, a, in response to that and that inhale, pelvic floor relaxes. So sometimes I have moms, a lot of my ath- athletic moms have a really tight pelvic floor, so I have to teach them to breathe in really deeply because that stretches pelvic floor and relaxes pelvic floor. And so when you exhale and the diaphragm rises to help push the air out, pelvic floor contracts upward. And so if I can get mom to do that, she's getting a pelvic floor contraction a little bit by proxy, even not having to think about it. So that's where it all starts from. And, you know, there are different people who have different ways of saying it. You know, Julie Weeb says you blow before you go. And I've always just said, exhale to draw the belly in to stabilize your body and then move. But it's exactly the way we train people in strength and conditioning is to exhale on the exertion and it gives you more stability. That's very interesting because that's what I was thinking as I heard it, just the same, that very thing, that breath out, you know, breath out, here we go. Um, you know, it's, it's, um, it's, it's different for me to hear because, you know, usually when I'm in a physical therapist situation, you know, there's some different exercise, you know, it's usually strengthened and I'm moving and I'm, you know, there's a, there's a, uh, you know, focus on particular muscles and things. And here, you know, there's very rare that we ever discuss, you know, for me rehabbing injuries, you know, so it's just the whole different page, uh, to it just based on, uh, the area, I guess. And, and the, you know, the condition itself. Well, when you, if, if a patient can coordinate their breath and the, and the other key to this is, is that belly has to drop down when you exhale. So a lot of times with heavy weightlifters, you'll see them exhale out 
and their belly will expand. And so they've allowed more their, their abdominal cavity to have more space. And so when you're thinking about physics, you want to tighten that space and make it smaller to gain more control over the extremities and the appendages, like the, the legs and the arms, the motor. You know, you, you want to you want to create less space and intra-abdominal pressure. So you want, as you're exhaling, for belly to come in because it's going to stabilize that pelvis from the pelvic floor into multifidi and, and internal, external obliques, transverse abdominal the rectus abdominis and the diaphragm all in conjunction with one another so a lot of times mom will blow out and her belly will expand and so i have her put her her hand on her belly as she's blowing out belly should drop down and so if you can coordinate that then those are the beginning steps to everything and this is this breathing is what i take into you know i i i learned some some really cool things from the postural restoration institute but it's all the same stuff it's coordinating opposition and movement with your breath and your diet having hip issues when they're running or, or knee issues of times I come back to this because when you can get pelvic floor and diaphragm engaged, they go across the body. That's, you know, those muscles are, are not one-sided. So you can get that, that stability through the center of your body. And then that equals, you know, an, an, an that creates a, an equanimity between your appendages and how much weight is going into each foot. If you can coordinate that from your center. Abby, let me, let me ask you this question for our listeners that are out there. What do you think, what's the best advice that you could give a pregnant woman who already works out? And I know it's totally different. The advice that you give a woman who has not worked out before and is pregnant, you don't normally say, Hey, you know what? Yep. This is a great time to start training for a marathon or Mm -mm. this is a great time (laughs) to start picking up kickboxing. Um, I'm talking about the people who you're moving, whether it is, whether you're just someone who moves for your health or you're someone who is very active or maybe you're a professional athlete. What is the best advice that you could give to them? Because I know our listeners, you know, range anywhere from people just looking to get healthy, looking for answers, looking for ideas to people who are really, you know, legitimate competitive athletes. Mm -hmm. So what is it that you can tell What's the best advice um, out there? Because, again, there's some very conflicting advice that is going around about what you can do, what you can't do. What I tell my clients or over the last 20 years or so is that I want you to listen to your body. If something doesn't feel right, don't do it. And one pregnancy may be totally different than another. I could run with when I was pregnant with my daughter, with my son. I couldn't run in the first month. I was done. But you could do X, Y, and Z. But what is it? What's, what's the advice that you tell people? So the advice that I give people is very much the same way you're talking about, Christine. You know, like I said in the beginning, the first month, you sort of self-select yourself out of it for most women because you have little to no oxygen traveling through your system because it's, it, you know, you're, you're, you're creating all these blood products and the oxygen's going along with them. And so you don't have that available energy. You feel tired and winded all the time. It's a lot of, it's a lot of times how a well-trained athlete knows that they're pregnant. It's how I knew I was pregnant at four weeks without a test telling me, excuse me, three weeks. I knew it. There was no way in in God's green earth that I was going to run a marathon. So I ran a half marathon because that's what I was, you know, I was signed up, may as well go with my friend and just take it easy. Um, But for my pregnant moms, I say it's kind of how you can run without a watch. What is your level of exertion right now? On a scale of 1 to 10, how are you feeling? And a lot of it is setting themselves up so that they can, giving them permission 
to not do it if they don't feel good. Because I, what I try to remind them is that this is not like training when you're not pregnant, where you're like, okay, I don't feel good, but I'm going to go out and slog through my seven, eight mile run or whatever. When you don't feel good, there's going to be a reason for it. You're fatigued. You need rest so that your body can provide for baby. You're maybe not eating enough. Maybe there's something going on with your thyroid. Maybe there's something going on with your hydration, but there's a reason for that. And so you have to really listen to what your body is telling you. And if you feel good, go ahead. I never tell a mom who comes in to stop what she's doing immediately unless she tells me she's having pain, it's causing dizziness, she gets sick every time she's doing it. So it really is a time that you have to start honing in on what your body's telling you and actually listening, not saying, my schedule says X, Y, and Z, I'm just going to go and do it. And that doesn't mean extremes. So there have been many female athletes who have spoken in recent years about how, what they, you know, that even though they were glorified during the time that they were running and, you know, only had to drop their mileage by 20 miles a week. And then they went right back and they lost all this weight and they, they raced and they, you know, did really well. Years later, they had massive stress fractures and soft tissue injuries because of that. And so I always give my moms permission to say, you don't have to do this today. And that's okay. Because I'm going to get you back to where you want to get to afterwards. This is the time to listen. This is the time to rest. This is the time to take naps if you have time, if, you, if your schedule allows for it. And really enjoy this time with you and baby because they live inside of you. And it's a really special time. And I want you to be as healthy as you want to be. But this is not the time to run a marathon. This is not the time to do a triathlon. This is the time to do what feels good for you. I, I know I really see that, you know, athletes are a funky bunch, right? You know, they, they're motivated people. And I think that there is in some ways, you know, the next challenge, so to speak, both, you know, before and after pregnancy or during pregnancy and, and after is, you know, if, if you're for a pregnant woman who would look at it and say, you know, I'm going to be the one that that does exercise all the way up until, you know, two days before my... What about the woman who ran the Chicago Marathon and delivered the baby right after? Uh, yeah, see, the, here's what, the problem, what though. In That's the what I, was that I come about? back... I come back to those studies that are only going for 30 minutes. We There right. is a very... There is a question about blood flow. Okay. There has to be that question. And that's why I say, like, this is not the time for endurance sport. Yeah. This is, you go for a run if you feel good. But or even, you know, even like when I'm teaching classes at the gym, you know, the, mm -hmm. I will have a, a, a pregnant woman in, in the gym and, and it happens, you know, on occasion. And and even, you know, postpartum where they, you know, there there is that incentive to get back to where they were or there's the incentive to, uh, you know, even in some of the mindset is, you know, my life is not over just because I had a baby. I'm going to go and do some of these things that, you know, that I'm used to doing and I'm going to have my life and and uh, not in a bad way, you know, just just being what they're what they're used to. And I, you know, I just kind of see, and that's, and that's the mind of an athlete. It's almost macho, right? It's like kind of like mm -hmm. a macho look at it. Like I'm going to be the one that, you know, that, that, that is going to be the one Instagram in my pictures because, you know, I'm six weeks or 12 weeks or whatever, and I'm back to it and everything's perfect. You know, it's just so much, you know, you really have to feel. You really have to feel. Anytime I have somebody come into my class that's postpartum, or, you know, where I say I cannot feel you 
right? Like you have to feel yourself and you have to tell me when things are going, you know, you know, if you're coming back and you've got clearance from a doctor, that's great, but we still have to be on top of it. Um, you know, it's just, it's just such a dire time on both ends, you know, obviously on both ends for, you know, for everybody's health, really. Well, I like to point people to Serena Williams because she's so most recently she exercised throughout her pregnancy and, you know, she, you know, she won when she was like, I think she was like five or six weeks pregnant. I I mean, she must have been working real hard. Um, she, but when she was coming back, she had a cesarean section. When she was coming back, she withdrew from competition because she did not feel that she was ready to do it. And if that's not, if the greatest athlete of all time is, is saying, I'm not ready and I'm not going to put my body at risk for doing this. If she's giving herself permission, we sure as heck can get of ourselves permission to feel not great that day and not do it. And, and to slowly, and to slowly work our way back, but to also get the help that we need and the right people. And I love I love all these these people who are wanting to get so involved in these studios that are popping up that are only for pregnant and postpartum moms, and they are wonderful, and I will happily refer my patients to them, but they are not doing an internal exam, and your gynecologist is not doing an internal exam that is assessing your pelvic floor structure. There is one person who is doing that, and that's a pelvic floor physical therapist. They, that is the only person who is able to do an internal pelvic floor exam on you to say, yes, you're contracting, and yes, you're cleared because you don't have prolapse. Because I want to remind you that I've seen patients who come in with prolapse whose doctors did not tell them they had prolapse because they thought it would just fix itself. How do you, so, what's that exam like, Abby? Oh, so the exam, um, if you hold up your index finger and you see your top knuckle, your middle knuckle, and your low knuckle that's closest to your, the rest of your hand, the top knuckle is about as deep as the first layer of your pelvic floor. The middle knuckle is about as deep as the second layer. And the third knuckle is about as deep as the third layer. And so at each layer, I'm checking, I'm palpating on each side of the pelvic floor for tenderness. Um, and I'm also looking for tone. I'm looking to see if there's any kind of tone to it because a lack of tone can indicate that the muscle hasn't been contracting for a while. And so then what I'm asking at each layer is I'm checking for um, the tone is I'm asking for a Kegel. And whatever mom knows how to Kegel, whatever she thinks is, is a Kegel. So I want to be able to see what she thinks and then correct it. And so during the exam, it's kind of like a treatment at the same time in that I am then teaching her how to Kegel properly and giving her cueing to wake up those nerves that she's having issues with getting the pelvic floor contracted. And so I check every layer. I check uh, internally um, back towards the rectum and the tailbone around towards the pelvic bones um, on either side. But I'm also, I'm also doing that, that treatment at the same time if we're finding areas that are tight so that when I give a home exercise program, I can remind mom, you know, here's where we found tightness along your pelvic floor. That's where when you use the pelvic wand, I want you to hold and press. And a pelvic wand is um, an ergonomically designed internal tool that is, is shaped like a finger so that you can use it uh, for kind of like internal trigger point release. Um, 
And so all along, mom's getting educated on how to do it. When she does a really great pelvic floor contraction, then I say, okay, let's do it again. Remember how we do it. If mom needs relaxation, then I'm working on that too so that I can feel that breath coming in and that pelvic floor expanding, and she can also feel what that's like. Um, And I'm also looking externally to see if there's anything going on with the external structure of the vagina or the rectum. And then I'm also looking to see if mom can fully relax, if mom can bulge, if mom can contract and I can check and see if there are any accessory muscles trying to help her contract, like the adductors love to help contract and the glutes love to help contract. Um, so that's really what the pelvic floor exam is, is entails. Um, and then from there, it's just working into different exercising exercises, adding in that Kegel, that breath that helps to contract and then moving, moving into upright exercises. Now, what would you write people a, you know, prescription then of here are the exercises to do at home or do they come in once a week? How, how does that process work after you realize, you know, hey, there, there's a problem here or a weakness here? What is then the process? So typically pelvic floor physical therapy, I don't typically see patients every week. I might see a patient the first time and then I may see them the next week again just to reinforce the exercises and progress them to see if they have any questions. If I recommended they get a pelvic wand, they can bring it in so that I can help teach them how to use it if they're uncomfortable with it. Um, that's often That often will happen, so they'll come in back-to-back weeks. Um, but then after that, I usually like to break it up in two or three week increments so that mom can go home and work on her exercises. And as we check in every three weeks or so, I can progress her exercises from there. And really they get progressed by virtue of her telling me my symptoms are this, my pain is this. And oftentimes as the symptoms decrease, she says, well, can I go run? I haven't, I haven't had an involuntary loss of urine. I don't feel that pressure down in my pubic bone. Can I go run? And I say, yeah, go run for 10 minutes and let me, let me know how it goes. And we progress it from there. If mom is a high trained athlete, it might be a little, look a little bit different because I want to make sure that mom is doing all of the core work that she needs to be doing under my supervision. And that's because a lot of people have, you wouldn't, think, but a lot of people have a really hard time coordinating the abdominals coming in while the air is coming out. And so to be able to coordinate that in standing while doing a step up and holding a kettlebell and then, you know, pressing it up above your head, the whole balance and coordination issue has changed throughout pregnancy. And so where mom has her weight placement in her foot, how that coordinates to the direction of her femur in her acetabulum and how the pelvis is compensating for that plus the breathing, plus the pressing overhead. It's a very complicated movement that I just want to make sure mom is really proficient at before I send her off to do, you know, to go back to doing gym stuff. So uh, a high-level athlete who's looking to return to a high level of sport, I have a little bit different. But for most moms and even, you know, moms like myself or like, like you, Christine, like we consider ourselves pretty athletic, but I don't need to see you every single week. And a lot of times going back to if it hurts, don't do it. If it feels okay, go ahead. You know, we're going to, I'm going to give you these exercises to do, and they're oftentimes going to be done very quietly and you don't even know someone's doing them. And then we say, okay, well, I still want you to go to the gym. And if it doesn't hurt, go ahead and sit on a bike and, and get through a spin class for sure. You know, just go use the step mill, use the elliptical, just maybe right now we don't run or running's fine and weightlifting is the problem. And so we say, yeah, you can keep running. Let's work on weightlifting. So I really, I follow the problem and the pain and work with that with each, each mom. And then my goal as a physical therapist is to discharge my patients. My goal is not to keep my patients forever and ever. Cause that means I haven't done my job. I haven't resolved their issue. And so 
I am always thrilled the day that my, my patient says, I don't have any involuntary loss of urine or feces. I don't feel that pressure anymore, that their prolapse is resolved and they feel strong and they feel confident. I love discharge day. I, I get very emotional on discharge day and it's very exciting to send mom back out to her routine, but it takes time and really the level of commitment mom has to doing her exercises at home makes the difference. Always. It always does, right? Whatever you do at home is, is what's more important. I, I, you know, that's just like uh, us as trainers, you know, what else are you doing besides the hours a day you're spending with us? Uh, I wanted to ask you about a couple of, um, you know, what else you're seeing, uh, you know, some of the, the common things that, uh, you know, what are the other con- common conditions that maybe could come from this? I know the diastasis recti is one that I see um, quite a bit uh, with women, and it's mostly um, how they, 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 how they look, they notice it mostly from how they look postpartum. Uh, mm-hmm. but anything else, any fractures in the area, anything like, yeah. like, you know, you're really seeing like that. The scary part about this is that in order to really know what's going on, you have to go back to when mom started menstruating. So you mentioned fractures, whether or not mom started her period at a normal time, 17 is not normal to get your first period. It's somewhere between 10 and 13 or 14 is normal. Um, women only have a certain period of time to lay down bone and it's to do with when the estrogen presents itself in our, in our bodies. And that estrogen starts tailing off after the age of about 25, 27. And so we only have this, you know, maybe 12 to 15 year window to lay down as much bone as we're ever going to have. And we can only maintain it after that, but it's, it's, it's very difficult to add to it because of the dip in estrogen that happens as we get older. And when I'm working with an endurance athlete or an athlete of really any kind, I have to go all the way back there and say, did you ever have a period of time when you didn't have menstruation? Did you, did you menstruate at a, at, you know, when did you start menstruating? And a lot of my athletes will have windows of time where they didn't menstruate for years. And so what I know then is that they are already at high risk for having stress fractures because of that. Now you go into pregnancy and you're essentially making bone for another human while you're pregnant. (laughs) So if you're deficient in any way, your diet, or if, if you're just not keeping up or you were deficient before, um, all of that goes to baby before it goes to mom. So mom can actually be, have transient osteoporosis during pregnancy and it's, it's, it happens. It's fairly, it's fairly common enough that we, we have, you know, treatments and descriptions of it. Um, so postpartum, especially if mom is breastfeeding, there's a huge drop in estrogen and mom is basically pseudomenopausal while breastfeeding. And for months after that, until the period comes back. And during that time, mom is at extremely high risk for stress fractures because again, Baby is growing bone. The only place baby's getting calcium from is breast milk. So calcium's going there. On top of which, there's no estrogen in the system to support bone density. So mom is depleted. And if mom had a time period in her life where she lost her menstruation, that also plays into this, into her high-risk bone density issues. Um, so as she's ramping back up and maybe trying to diet, which is something you should not do while you're breastfeeding, um, but mom is, you know, really motivated to lose weight, then we have, we have a perfect storm for major stress fractures in very large bones that are very difficult to heal, like the sacrum, the pelvis, and the femur. And we see it a lot with our athletes, which is why, you know, there's always a question of, 
whether or not um, moms should be on a low progesterone birth control. What kind of diet does mom have while she's nursing? We want to encourage mom to nurse as long as she wants to, but we need to also have these precautions in place. We need to probably get a bone density scan to make sure that mom is in a safe place to start adding load to her exercise routine. Um, the other things, like you said, diastasis recti, diastasis recti sometimes resolves on its own because diastasis recti is not a hernia. A hernia is when the abdominal musculature is completely separated and the intestines are coming out. A diastasis recti is where you have a separation and a stretch, which also comes back to the estrogen question. You know, there's low estrogen postpartum and estrogen also helps to build muscle and to increase the the tensile forces on connective tissue. So while you're breastfeeding, it's going to be really hard for diastasis to close or to, you know, to approximate which which means to flex back toward the center. You know, the again, the nerves have been stretched and haven't been contracting that muscle for a while. And so it's mu- very much a neuromuscular rehabilitative process to get rectus to come back towards the center towards the linea alba in the center when it's flexing it wants to flex out that's where it's now comfortable but then you have all the connective tissue in the back you know the internal external oblique connect way back on your in your rib cage and so that has to also be retrained to come forward and released to come forward and so there's a lot of soft tissue work that goes into a soft tissue in, in uh, injury like diastasis but then we're also looking at you know retraining the diaphragm to work with the pelvic floor because it all goes together. And so trying to get mom to not rely so heavily on her internal external obliques to rely a little bit more on transverse abdominis because it does go across the body and helps to brace the body and then allows rectus to have a better chance of going back towards the center versus internal external obliques are pulling away from, you know, the external obliques pulling towards the back. Um, so it's a lot of soft tissue work and and then retraining the muscles, which is a neuromuscular reeducation, which is surprisingly hard to coordinate postpartum because your body has has changed those nerves haven't fired those muscles for a while, depending on how how much your belly protruded. Um, and how active you were. And so there's no shame in it and there's nothing that you did to cause it. And a lot of diastasis is very hereditary and specific to where baby was sitting. Um, and as long as there's not a hernia though, we have really great success with getting that proper contraction so that you don't have that bread popping out of your belly when you're trying to exert your, your force on a pull up or a push up or a plank. And so there's, there's, excellent ways to rehabilitate but you got to start from the beginning and it's very important to work your way back into it safely so that you don't promote the diastasis and stretch it further so that you're not um you're not you're not saying okay well i'm going to run a marathon within a year after i had a baby i'm just going to do that i'm just going to do that it doesn't matter what it says you get that in your head and all of a sudden you have a stress fracture then i have to wait for your stress fracture to heal i have to wait till we resolve whatever issue it is that is causing a stress fracture because they don't happen in a vacuum. A stress fracture doesn't just happen from overtraining. It's usually overtraining in combination with uh, decreased energy consumption, which is food. And in women's case, it has a lot to do with estrogen and whether or not mom is producing the estrogen to support bone density. And so figuring out what the problem is and then really using all the tools in my tool, tool belt to resolve the issue 
it's, it's something really only physical therapists are licensed to do. I'm licensed to touch you and I'm licensed to give you the exercises you need to, to get better. And you can't say that about every field that says that they're working with prenatal postnatal moms. It's, uh, it's crazy. It's crazy. I'm going to go hug my wife for sure. <laughs> I have a, I have a follow up for you on this diasta on the diastas recti. Yeah. Uh, or how long would it say, like say that it's not really found or you don't, it's not, I guess it's not noticeable, but it, it's gone untreated for, you know, years. Is there, doesn't it hurt? It hurts. Doesn't it? No, Most people I know no. it, it wouldn't hurt. It's just a separation of, of, you know, of the abdomen, um, you know, where they do the test where they can put their fingers in right. to it. And, uh, so if it's untreated for, you know, say years before you really maybe even get back into an exercise routine. I mean, we all know what those years are like, uh, for, for some moms, uh, just after, uh, you know, having the, having the kids, they, they might not be able to. So after that, uh, is it something that can be worked on? Uh, right, you know, not right away. And my second part to that is as a trainer, are there exercises that, uh, we should avoid for, um, people that do have that condition, uh, whether it's been treated or not? Yeah. So one of the cool things about diastasis recti is that it's a soft tissue problem. If it, if there's no hernia, it's a soft tissue is- issue. So soft tissue can be manipulated forever. Um, it's not, it's not a structural problem. It's something that I can, with my hands, release and work on the fascia, the connective tissue, to give it some give it some pliability, and then retrain the brain to activate that muscle with the tools that I, I know. And, and starting with breathing, um, that's the amazing thing about diastasis recti. You know, there is there is a point of no return with prolapse with with any kind of prolapse, the, the, there is a point of no return. And I have seen that point of no return where it requires surgery or it requires a pessary. Um, but with diastasis recti, the point of no return is a hernia. But then it's no longer diastasis recti. It's a hernia. Right. It's a completely different problem. Um, so with diastasis recti, it's, it's a wonderful thing because 10 years later, 15 years later, we can still work on it. And we can still get those deep abdominal muscles to work and support mom. And then your question about what exercises you should avoid. I mean, I really hope that you guys are already avoiding sit-ups because I think they're archaic. In general, um, yes. Yeah, and they're just not useful for anybody. And they put too much pressure and load on the lumbar spine. So why? Um, but you know, the thing about it is, is that a lot of moms want to go back to Pilates and the things that aren't necessarily safe right away or unless mom is retrained really properly back into them are things like Pilates 100s and V-ups and, you know, swimmers and um, leg lowering and things like that. But, you know, one of the things that I have in my business as a goal is to educate practitioners, but to also educate patients. And so I put on my Instagram page core series that are safe for pregnant moms, postpartum moms, diastasis moms. And to remember that the core and, and the core stability is not just rectus abdominis, it's internal, external obliques, transverse abdominis and transverse abdominis goes across the body. It stabilizes the body in movement. So as a trainer, what you're literally looking for is on that exhale, can belly come inward? This is a very simple thing. Does belly come inward when you exhale and exert when you're doing a core exercise and you're doing a plank is belly hanging down? Or is belly, is belly reapproximated back upward? When you're doing a side plank, can belly stay inward? And that's how everyone should be doing them anyway. Right. Yeah, so, there's, there's not much difference to that. I mean, it's, it's a standard. None. Yeah. 
All right. It's pretty amazing. So I, to- I told you that you were gonna you were gonna yell at me. So I'm Abby. I'm gonna come clean before we end. <laughs> All right. I'm I'm gonna come clean to you. Um, two kids, and because you're here, and I know that a lot of people, um, you know, they there's there's so many different. Everyone's circumstance is very individual, um, especially with moms. Whether you're fit, how you feel. Um, my my one son, I worked out until the very probably the last couple days. The day before I had him, I was on the little stair climber going slow. But modify everything. Take options if you feel good. I tell people not to go and you know run all out. You want to keep that blood flowing through your body. And I think that you've really you've really done a great job to tell our listeners really to educate them about what they should be doing, what they should be looking for. And I do think that there's not a lot of literature, not a lot of things out there and people that are saying what you're saying. And that's so important to get this message out, to go to an expert, to, you know, to find you, which we're going to put all your information up on our websites and everything so that, you know, people can reach out to you and hopefully, you know, come see you if they do have these issues. My daughter, my second child, I didn't know I was pregnant until I was about three months pregnant and I thought I was dying pretty much. I thought I was going to be on, literally, I was almost on, you know, TV on the baby story, like having a baby in the bathtub. Um, I, I really thought I was, something was majorly wrong. I was, had cancer or something, but I felt that bad, but I kept pushing, which I probably shouldn't have, but I just didn't, I didn't know. I'd only gained a couple pounds. I, you know, I had had some fertility with my son. So this was a huge surprise, put it that way. But I felt sick the whole pregnancy. I couldn't really work out. I listened to the body, but as soon as I had her, I had a great delivery, very quick, just literally I had her and I was up walking. It was unbelievable. And I felt so good. Again, waited, you know, not bleeding or anything, but I knew I had one more chance to qualify for Boston the next year and it was in 12 weeks. So 12 weeks after I had my daughter, I did. However, I tell people all the time as a trainer that you have to listen to your body. Now, I have not had any issues that I know of, and it's been, you know, five and a half years now. However, is that something you would ever recommend? Go. (laughs) Okay, so let me back up. And since you've shared with me, I will share with you that during my first pregnancy, I was able to run until 32 weeks. I just got too big and too heavy. (laughs) I just, I did not want to put one foot in front of the other and jump. I could walk or whatever, but I was running... I was running for eight months and I felt great. great. And my second pregnant, and I was always weight training, always weight training, always spinning. My second pregnancy, I had pubic pain at 16 weeks and I took my last steps, my running, last running steps then for about six, you know, I I would say it was about eight, eight months. Um, but I will say that after I had my, my daughter, because I felt so restricted for so long and not restricted, like I was missing out, but like I wasn't able to run, which is what I like to do so much. Um, I was really excited to get back to it, but I also had, I also had a period of postpartum depression with my daughter and what helped me get out of that was exercise. And so I can totally relate to the idea that I have goals. I'm a person. I'm a, I'm, I'm not just a mom. I am a physical person. I want to, I want to feel like myself again. And it helped me personally with my postpartum depression to get on my bike and start to spin and to get to the gym. And even if I was just lifting light weights, I was sweating, I was moving. It made me feel like I wasn't attached. Somebody didn't want something from me for those 30 minutes. And so I get it. I understand wanting to go back to something and 
you know, I was supposed to qualify for Boston and then I got pregnant with my son on purpose, but still it was three weeks before I was in the best shape of my life. And there was no way I was going to qualify for a marathon while I was three weeks pregnant. I just wasn't going to be able to do it. And that's when I dropped down to the half. So I totally understand wanting to do that. And if that was your last chance to do it, I would have supported you whatever way I could. You come in, you say, I want to do this in 12 weeks. I say, that's what you want to do. Let's figure out the best way to get you there. And it's a short period of time, right? And maybe after that, we need to work on a little bit more tailored things. But I would have still started with your breath and your movement and your and your coordination. And it would have just been something that you said you really were, that's what you wanted to do. And I would say, okay, you don't have any prolapse. You're not bleeding. Okay, what's the best way for me to support you doing this? And, you know, I might have made recommendations for how to do it safely um, in terms of your sleep, because when you don't sleep, your cortisol levels go up and your body treats stress as stress and not sleeping is stressful for your body. And so it ha- it's like doing a workout. Your, your, blood, your blood levels show, you know, the same, same amount of cortisol if you're stressed out and you're not sleeping as it does if you have a crazy workout. You know, I did some blood work with Inside Tracker and I saw that come up when I did a hard workout and I saw that come up when I didn't sleep well. And it really opened my eyes to being a brand new mom, how much changes inside at, at the cellular level, at the, at the level of your blood and your, and your, your nutrients and what your body is producing. So you know, you would have said, this is 12 weeks, this is a short period of time, I really want to do this. As long as you were not going to hurt or damage yourself, and I was with you on that, I would have supported you in any way I could. I can't blanket statement that for anybody else, and including someone like Serena Williams, and in- including these really high-level athletes who want to do- get back. You know, Tina Muir talks about going to pelvic floor physical therapy. Gwen Jorgens- Jorgensen uh, talked about that. She's going to a pelvic floor therapist as well. Um, and she's training and they're doing it, but they're doing it with a team. So I would have said, best of luck, Christine. I don't, I'm not licensed to practice in New Jersey. I'm going to help you find somebody, but let's do this. She, uh, you know, cause that's she, what you want. She doesn't train that much for the marathons in the first place, you know, so <laughs> she just kind of shows up anyway. Slacker. Yeah. I feel like it's important that you say that because there's some people that get pregnant and they're like, whatever, I can't do anything. And I don't think that's acceptable either. Well, that's, yeah, like there's always, that's the conversation. I, it's like everybody is what experiment of one. Right. So I, yes. I really, really appreciate the fact that, you know, you, you say be safe, listen to your body, but also don't just stop, but let's find something. And I think that's what our listeners really need to hear from you, that there is science behind this. You, you know, are an expert in this and there's a lot to it, but you also need to listen to the body. If the body likes it, the body may need this. And like you said, um, there's a mental aspect to this too, of exercising and moving. So with that said, Abby, we are just over the moon happy that we could have you on here and and really you can get this message out to the masses, out to the world of the importance of really thinking of your pelvic floor and getting yourself and women out there, especially and men also to know to be this supportive and supportive. of their spouse. Absolutely. And as a trainer, as someone in the fitness industry, that you need to be mindful of this. It's not just always a push, push, push to, till you drop. It's a let's push, but let's be safe and let's understand our bodies. So and there's also, you can, you can recover from this. Childbirthing is a trauma to the body is an injury to the body, but you can recover from it. People come back from ACL injuries and labral tears and spinal surgeries. I mean, what about the, uh, 
the the guy who was a triathlete who was hit by a car and his bicycle the day before he was supposed to compete in triathlon. Right. He just ran the Boston Marathon in two something, two fifty seven or something eight, like no, that. Two forty nine. He wanted to go under two fifty. And he, he had a spinal. He had a, a he halo. He was freezing. His, that's why. <laughs> on his neck. I mean, yeah. yeah. I mean, he had a halo because he had, I think, a C two fracture, which is crazy. Insane. It was um, insane. What so a great can, story. The body is the body is amazing, and you can recover from it. I would just say that you have to have a team. You've got to have people on your team, and whatever. You know, whatever you need to get those people on board with, with what you want to do and find 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 your people, find your posse. I mean, there are there are incredible people out there who are supportive for, for all sorts of things and especially for moms. I mean, there is nothing better than finding your tribe of people who are supportive of you. I mean, I will never forget Brian standing yeah. on the side of the road in a hundred degree heat shouting at me, Henry's mom, Henry's mom <laughs> uh, at the the, the that's uh, relay a great, that we did together. That's a great and, story. Yeah, it's a great story. And I mean, it's so motivating to have people who are behind you and getting getting the right people, you know, with your strength and conditioning and your maybe your run coaching, but also getting your right medical team on board, getting an endocrinologist on board, getting your GP on board with what you want to do. They should know your goals. Abby, did you just volunteer to, to come up to Lake Placid when I do the Ironman <laughs> this summer? Is that what you were just oh saying? Gosh. That you were going to come up on the sidelines? Okay. I hear Placid's beautiful and I would love to Tribe. watch. You guys have like six loops on that bike, don't you? Oh my God. That's a great story. I, Abby came and joined us. Uh, she's a, f- a very good friend of, of my friend, Amanda Shear, Dr. Amanda Shear, also a physical therapist. Doctor. Doctor. And uh, we did a relay race across New Jersey, River to Sea Relay. It's like a 92 or 93-mile relay race from the Delaware River to the Atlantic Ocean. And, you know, Abby's on board with us and we're running and, and two uh, weeks and you guys gave me two weeks notice, two weeks notice. Come on, Ab, how much more? I, I, I had a one year old son and I hadn't raised and they said, yeah, come on. But like, we did, we, oh, God, it was so hot. Listen, so she takes off and she's running and it's one of those self-supported, you know, uh, water stations and stuff like that. There's no water stations on it. So you get in the car, you drive up a mile, you wait with your water bottle, you give it to your teammate. They take it, they, they run with it. So Abby's, it's her first leg. Everybody runs too. Here's Abby's first leg. She takes it. She takes the water bottle from me. She runs, you know, she slugs it down and she slams the water bottle on the ground. And I was like, yep, she's with us. Like, this is our girl. Like, welcome aboard, Abby Bales. Slow clap on the slam. It was like, it was intense. It was intense moment. She's an athlete. It's like, it's the perfect, you're the perfect person for this. You're a mother. You're an athlete. You're, you know, you've got this, uh, obviously the brains, uh, you know, and, and, you know, it's just, it's perfect it's a perfect spot for you i love it i'm so happy for you thanks bp yeah anytime so tell our audience where we can find you websites uh facebook social media all that stuff Everything is Reform PT uh, NYC, reformptnyc.com. I am at Reform PT NYC on Facebook, on Instagram, on Twitter. Um, I, I like to keep a core series and exercise series going on, twi- uh, on, excuse me, on Instagram um, that's in those highlighted stories that are safe for pregnant diastasis moms, postpartum moms, or really anybody who wants to start a core series because there are progressions there. Um, you can also find me. I do home visits in Manhattan and New York City. And then I also have a clinic at 650 Broadway, Bleecker and Broadway down in NoHo that you can come and see me. Um, I'm, I'm thinking that uh, all my Jersey people that we're able to reach out to in the, the vast stretch of Two Fit Crazies and a Microphone, I'm probably going to have to get licensed in New Jersey 
you're, you know, we'll get you signed up here in New Jersey, and uh, well, I'm going to. Since I'm gonna, we're all over the, yeah, the no, world right now, so you're going to have worldwide. to be licensed everywhere. So we're worldwide, we want you to be the spokesperson for this uh, for this position. And honestly, that's where I see you going with this. I think that that um, you know the hands-on uh, aspect of this is is going to be uh, in the rear view uh, for you uh, in the, in the near future. I think that you're you know you're bigger than that, and I think it's, uh, it's that's what's going to happen if you're so inclined or feel like it. Sounds good to me. <laughs> we're, going all, we're going all the way up, Abby, yeah, and we're right. taking the best people in the all world with the us. All the way up. That's Tribe. It. Tribe is strong. That is it. All right. So, Christine Conti, with that said. My name is Christine Conti. And I am Brian Prendergast. And we are Two Fit Crazes. And the microphone. We are where it's at. Peace.